Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Danielle Bean. You can connect with her directly through her site, daniellebean.com. Go listen to her girlfriend's podcast through ascensionpress.com. Join her community, girlfriendscommunity.com. Good morning, Danielle. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fine and really excited to uh, get a few summer reading recommendations by way of a podcast you did about some books that changed your life? Really? Yeah. (laughs) I think books do have that kind of power in people's lives. And so this is kind of a fun episode to kind of think about what books I would put in that category in my life and encourage other people to think about what books have changed your life, which books have made a real significant impact in your life, and which ones do you find yourself visiting time and again? Yeah, so uh, your uh, list is is kind of all over the map, really. So start us off with uh, the prayer book, prayer resource book that uh, that you recommend here. All right. So the first one that I recommended is The Better Part, a Christ-centered resource for personal prayer by Father John Bartunek. And this book was life-changing in the way that it it taught me a habit of daily prayer that I didn't previously have. Well, daily prayer with Scripture specifically. And it's, I love that the book walks you through, and it's, it's actually a series of books. It's kind of a cheat. It's <laughs> like four separate books, one for each of the Gospels, and walks you through the Gospels and walks you through a prayer practice that is very doable in just a few pages each day with just a little piece of Scripture. And just I, I found it was the exact kind of hand-holding I needed to establish that kind of a practice in my life, and it really has borne beautiful fruit in my spiritual life. Yeah, and Father Bartunek, um, a great resource in that regard. He does a lot with spiritualdirection.com. I know he's got his own site as well through the uh, mm-hmm. Legionaries of Christ um, with a lot of resources that you can find online in addition to the the books that he writes. Now, I remember interviewing Holly Pierlo. I think that I remember mm-hmm. how to pronounce her name um, yeah, about a mother's rule of life and remember being entirely intimidated by this <laughs> book, Danielle. Tell us more about it. 
Yeah, so this is a book that I, I don't know how long it came how long ago it came out, but it's been many years, more than a decade. And um, it really was kind of um, it kind of blew things up in the in the Catholic space a little bit among Catholic women because I found that this book was equally challenging, um, challenging you to kind of take control of your life and have a rule for your life, but also encouraging and kind of empowering because. What I took away from it was not so much a specific prescription for you must do your your life exactly the way that Holly does, um, but it was more just sort of encouragement to know that I can and I should be aware of what my priorities are and set up my daily living to align with those so that I was spending time on the things that I thought were truly important. I have to admit, this book has been sitting on my shelf for years haunting me. And I'm not well, sure. I suggest you read it. <laughs> All right. Just don't be intimidated. Know that it's not a prescription. It's an encouragement and it's an example. So you can use that. Okay, awesome. So that's A Mother's Rule of Life. And uh, this next one is really interesting. Delay, don't deny. Living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. How'd this one change yeah. your life? Um, because it changed my life in that it, it changed how I eat and my approach to food, nutrition, fasting, all of that. Um, I had previously been familiar with fasting, of course, because I'm a cradle Catholic and that's part of our spirituality. Um, but this was more kind of like along, along with the, the health benefits of fasting was what I was beginning to explore when I, I first read this book. And what I loved about it, because there's tons of information about intermittent fasting out there and there's tons of different ways to do it and but what I loved about it was it was very accessible. It was really just this author, Jen Stevens, um, she's a former teacher, and she just has this very relatable way of sharing her story, uh, but also backing it up with scientific studies and, and sharing some of those important statistics with people so that, you know, she's, she's sharing things that are good and true. And um, just in a way that's very relatable and feels very doable. And she kind of just lays out the different options and invites you to kind of explore how this could become a part of your life. And I read this uh, four, more than four years ago now, and I've been making it a daily practice for me, and I love what it does for, for my mood, for my energy, for my health, and I, I have Jen Stevens and her book to thank for that. Wow. Again, it's called Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. Now, the next book on your list is one that I think many people would cite as life-changing, An Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. Right, right. I mean, like, pick up my copy and you'll see I have highlighted every word in it. (laughs) (laughs) And and I I, I was laughing as I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, yep, this is important, too. Yep, I want to remember this, too. Yep, I want to write down these notes, too. So, really, I mean, it's just packed with gems. But what I love about it is that he wrote this, you know, to kind of be a spiritual guide to a, a, a lay person, a woman, a young woman. And so we can receive it in the same way. It's this from a spiritual master, this very practical, encouraging guide just that also holds you accountable and uh, kind of sets a standard for you. And I love that. And this is one I do need to revisit time and time again, even, you know, just small sections of it sometimes, but then just also doing a reread just to remind myself, because what it ultimately does is it's, it's a guide toward growing in holiness, growing closer to God, um, loving God more. And it's, you know, Ultimately, that's all we're, we're ever meant to do, right? This is this is a life life guide. Most definitely. One to definitely keep on your shelf and revisit. Well, actually, maybe just keep on your side table so that you can revisit it that much easier every day. Now, 
East of Eden by John Steinbeck. This one changed your life? Yeah. I mean, so it didn't when I first read it in like my sophomore year of high school in my <laughs> English class. <laughs> you know how you read sure, when you're in sure. high school. Yep. Um, but I, I recently reread this and I'm, I'm just, I, well, first of all, I love John Steinbeck's writing. Um, and, and to me, it just struck me as such a Catholic book because it's just everything in it is just true. And it's a, it's a beautiful worldview that he presents. There's a lot of ugliness and horrible stuff in the book. Um, I remember one person that I was reading online about it described the book as brutal. And that word really mm. stuck with me. But what I thought, well, life is brutal, and that's why this book is brutal, because there, you know, there are brutal truths in there, but then there are beautiful truths in there. So I absolutely love the book, immersed myself in it over the course of a few days over the Christmas break, and I just, I, I came away thinking, I can't believe I read that in high school and didn't pay attention to all that awesome stuff in there. My, my shout out to my English teacher. She was trying. She was trying. Thank you so much, Danielle Bean. If you want to get her full list of books that changed her life, perhaps you're interested in them for uh, some summer reading picks, you can go to her girlfriend's podcast through ascensionpress.com. Just want to um, send a quick apology to those of you who were with us right at the beginning of the show and you're wondering, where's... Matt with the opening prayer. We had some major technical difficulties right at the beginning of the show that have since been worked out because you're hearing my voice. Matt is actually on vacation this week, so you're not going to be hearing his voice a whole lot this week. You will hear a few things because he uh, you know, left us with some conversations that, that we'll be sharing with you uh, for the rest of this week. But In any event, um, I am sorry that we did not open with an opening prayer. Um, Let's just say a St. Michael prayer right now for our technical, well, hopefully we don't have any more technical issues, but St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, Cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what we're going to do, I'm going to move to national weather here in just a second. But uh, since we had to skip the news because of our technical difficulties, uh, we'll have some extended uh, commentary, if you will, on the news uh, coming up after the break. But right now, let's take a look at weather across the nation. Rain and thunderstorms will be soaking the southern plains, Gulf Coast states, and the southeast, mainly in the afternoon and evening today. The coasts of the mid-Atlantic and northeast will see chances for drizzle or light showers. Rain and thunderstorms will be found across the Front Range, the Central Plains, the mid-Mississippi Valley, and Midwest, and there will be a better chance for severe weather here. High pressure will be building today over the northern plains and upper Mississippi Valley, allowing for dry weather today. Dry weather will also be persisting along the wet, along here at the west and of the rock. Oh my gosh, let's get this sentence right. Dry weather will persist along the west range of the Rockies. Fire concerns continue to be elevated across the west coast given the dry weather and breezy wind.
Pants. We're going to get ourselves in order here. Hope you had a wonderful uh, 4th of July weekend. And, uh, you know, we're getting our bearings here on the Sunrise Morning Show after taking an extended break ourselves. So we'll be back with some headlines and uh, some uh, commentary on what happened while we were away here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 12 past. Lord, Teach Me to Pray, the Ignatian Prayer Series, can now train you and others electronically to become facilitators and bring the Ignatian way of prayer to your parish. Come to know and love Jesus Christ like never before and help others do the same. Don't pass up the opportunity to join this work of the new evangelization. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. That's LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on Digital Training. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the monk shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. You know, I have never seen women who want to be equal absolutely degrading themselves. And yet the media degrades your nature, your beauty as a woman, your your goodness. Let us pray. At some point, our dear Lord touches their hearts. For more information on Mother Angelica, visit Religious Catalog at EWTNRC.com. It's 14 past here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. A federal judge is restricting the Biden administration from communicating with social media platforms about their online content. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is claiming Russian forces are active at a nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine. And the Vatican has released the Pope's schedule for the rest of the summer. Spoiler alert, his July is pretty light because that's always the case with the Pope in July. His uh, general audiences are suspended, so uh, he will not be doing his usual Wednesday general audience today or next week or the following week or the week after that. Um, The only thing he's celebrating publicly in terms of mass, I think, is uh, World Day for Grandparents. Anyway, you'll hear the story from Vatican Radio coming up in my next newscast. So a lot happened um, over the few days that the Sunrise Morning Show was uh, taken off for a long 4th of July weekend. We were uh, running, I hope you enjoyed the summer specials that we had for you on Friday and on Monday. And uh, if you were up early on Independence Day yesterday, um, our Independence Day special 
But man, did we miss a lot of news that has um, some major implications for us as Catholics. Pope Francis over the weekend uh, announcing the appointment of a new prefect for the Dicastery for the Faith, formerly known as the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith. And um, he's kind of a controversial pick. We'll talk more about this next hour with um, canon lawyer Father Philip Michael Tangora, but um, Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez will be taking over for Cardinal uh, come September and is the uh, the first South American bishop to uh, take over as prefect for the dicastery of the, the of the faith and then um, for the doctrine of the faith. And then here in the United States, a couple of Supreme Court um, rulings came down while we were off the air and um, with some major religious liberty, implications. There was the the ruling in 303 Creative um, about the web designer who, because of her Christian faith, did not want to be forced by the state of Colorado to design websites for same-sex ceremonies. And I was, I had to roll my eyes at some of the headlines like, quote, this is from the New York Times, web designer wins right to turn away gay people. Come on. Really? So this is something, and, and actually the other, just to, to, um, to put out the other um, um, case, the, the, the other ruling that came down from the Supreme Court was uh, Groff, B, v. DeJoy, um, which was the um, the Christian Postal Service worker who um, who needed Sundays off because that's his Sabbath and didn't want to work. But this postal service, uh, this post office that he worked for in rural Pennsylvania, I believe. Um, needed him to deliver Amazon packages on Sundays. And so he challenged that. And uh, the Supreme Court did not um, give a definitive ruling, but basically said, um, we have a new standard of testing this case and remanded it back to the lower courts to apply the new uh, stricter um, scrutiny I'm probably Ken Craycraft is probably horrified by my use of language here, but um, because I'm not a lawyer and I don't know if I'm using the right language. But basically, uh, they have it. There's a new stricter test where um, you have to, as an employer, um, have give higher standard to religious reasons for needing to take off work. And so this case will now go back to lower courts and and quite possibly make its way back to the Supreme Court. Um, who knows? We'll see what what happens there. But in the 303 creative uh, case, this was not a ruling that allows Christians to turn away gay people. And I think there is a real misunderstanding 
um, and and real standards that they want to that some want to apply, saying that you know who you love is who you are. Um, you know, if you're you're gay, that is your identity. Um, but for some reason, your Christian identity is not seen as something that is inherent to you as a person that, well, I'm running out of time to talk about this, but basically, if you are designing a website for wedding ceremonies and your Christian faith tells you that marriage is between one man and one woman, Um, I mean, this strictly was not a religious freedom case. This was a freedom of speech case and totally went the right way. We'll talk more about it with Ken Craycraft on Friday. It's 21 minutes past the hour. Tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. A prayer for vocations by our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II. Lord Jesus... As you once called the first disciples to make them fishers of men, let your sweet invitation continue to resound. Give young men and women the grace of responding quickly to your voice. Support our bishops, priests, and consecrated people in their apostolic labor. Grant perseverance to our seminarians and to all those who are carrying out the ideal of a life totally consecrated to your service. Lord. Send workers to your harvest and do not allow humanity to be lost for the lack of pastors, missionaries, and people dedicated to the cause of the gospel. Mary, Mother of the Church, help us to say yes to the Lord who calls us to cooperate in the divine plan of salvation. For Sacred Heart Radio, this is Father Greg Connerman. It's 23 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Very happy to have you along with us on a Wednesday morning. Father Rob Jack is back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is host of Driving Home the Faith here on Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. Father Rob, good morning. Morning, Anna. So we're going to be talking about the renewal of the church today. What exactly does that mean, first of all? Well, I mean, some people have questions. How does the church regain its strength and its faith? And I've been thinking about this for a long time. And about 25 years ago, I came up with the conclusion that the definition of renewal, whether it's personal or ecclesial, 
is discovering for yourself a new reason for loving God. Because where there is an increase in the love of God, there is always a growth of the Holy Spirit. And so the question we have to ask ourselves, okay, where is God asking us or showing us his love that then we can respond with a heart? And so with that definition in mind, what, or I suppose the better uh, subject here is, who is the source of true renewal here? Well, I would say the truth of the renewal is is found in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit blows where he wills, and it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to call God Father, as well as to call Jesus Lord. And so it's being attentive to the Holy Spirit in the simple actions of the world. It's an amazing thing, because what I've seen, and you've seen this too as you study church history, God picks, shall we say, the most innocuous people to begin a renewal of his church, mm-hmm. whether it's St. Margaret Mary, or whether it's a little Irishman by the name of Frank Duff, or whether it's St. Bernadette Subaru, or whether it's St. Margaret Mary Alico. Unknown people, not particularly scholarly, not particularly known for anything, but isolated. And out of that love, then they've been given that commission to tell people about where the love of God is. It's so true. It's so true. And so if we're talking about that, well, can you talk about some of those people and the, their individual experiences of the Lord that, that they just couldn't help but share? Well, I mean, we see how the Lord would come to, for instance, St. Margaret Mary, and talk about the world is in need of love, because it's so full of itself. And so what do we have? St. Margaret Mary saw this vision of Jesus' sacred heart and said, love Jesus in his heart because he loves us from his heart. And then with the help of her director, St. Claude Colombier, we see the explosion of devotion to the Sacred Heart. We saw a similar thing happen with Divine Mercy, and we see that renewal going on and on again today. And so this is the key to renewal. And I hear if the leadership of the Church wants to come up with some grandiose plan or some, you know, five-year project, to me, that's fine for the structure, but it's not Conversion and renewal always begins with individual people, mm-hmm. and that they, if you will, well, lack of a better word, infects the church, you know? <laughs> renewal infects the church with the good stuff, with the love of God, with His courage. And this is why I think in so many parts of the world, we know, especially in Nigeria, where the persecutions are so severe, it's these small acts of love and renewal that keeps the people strong. Yeah. It's always the individuals that—I mean, I've often thought of this, Father, where, um, you know, we see the evil one be able to just sweep over the culture with these huge waves, these huge movements, and we think— well, we've got to combat it. We've got to come up with the thing that is just going to bring them all back all at once, like a like a big Christian tsunami, so to speak. And that's never been how God has operated, has it? No, God never works that way because he knows our human emotions can get the best of us. Mm-hmm. And usually that takes us to a different type of extreme. And that's why oftentimes whenever these these new ideas, well, ideas, these movements come up in the life of the Church of the rediscovery 
of the ways we can love God. Because one of the things I've learned in the spiritual life, if you run out of ways of discovering how God loves you and how you are to love God, then you've lost God, because God's love is infinite. And so there's a renewal, there's a really an infinite renewal that can always happen with the human race. And the, the question for us is to see it where it's happening, and then to to listen to the person who's behind it, and then discern, is this of God or not? Because if it promotes unity, a deeper love of God and neighbor, and the fidelity to the teaching of Christ in this church, then it's going to be much more discernible to be healthy for the church. Whereas if it does the opposite of that, uh, or as in the case of something happened, it becomes too strict or too loose, then we know that this isn't of God. Yeah, that discernment is key, isn't it, Father? It really is, and it takes collective discernment, you know, and that's why oftentimes when people have devotions to different saints or different parts of the body of Christ, it takes time. And that's why, as I said, this conversion or this renewal begins individually, and then it can infect the whole body if we basically see in that person true Christian living. Amen to that. We've been talking to Father Rob Jack, and if you're interested in listening to Father Rob's show, Driving Home the Faith, you can go to sacredheartradio.com. That's Sacred Heart Radio here in Cincinnati, Ohio. He hosts the show from 4 to 6 every afternoon. Father Rob, it was great to talk to you. Thank you so much. You have a good day. You do the same, Father. Thank you. And of course, you can find all of our guests on the Sunrise Morning Show linked in our show notes for the day at sonrisemorningshow.com. Don't forget to click that subscribe button. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. A federal judge is restricting the Biden administration from communicating with social media platforms about their online content. The ruling on Tuesday says the FBI and other agencies cannot speak with social media sites for the purpose of removing, deleting or suppressing content protected by free speech. Republicans have accused the Biden administration of coercing social media companies to censor critics. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky is claiming Russian forces are active at the largest nuclear power plant in Europe, which is located in southern Ukraine. Mark Mayfield reports. During Tuesday's nightly address, Zelensky warned of a possible false flag attack on the Ukrainian infrastructure. The nuclear plant was seized by Russian forces in March of 2022, but last week the Russian staff abruptly left their stations, raising fears of a possible attack. In his speech, Zelensky claimed that Russian soldiers had placed objects resembling explosives on several of the plant's rooftops. While the reactors have been shut down since September, an explosion at the plant could still spread radiation or cause a nuclear meltdown. I'm Mark Mayfield. Ten people are dead and 38 people are wounded in three separate mass shootings in the U.S. over the 4th of July weekend. In Fort Worth, three people were killed and eight were wounded in a shooting late Monday after a local Independence Day festival. In Philadelphia, five people were killed and two were wounded Monday night when a suspect in body armor opened fire on a group of strangers. And in Baltimore, two people were shot dead and 28 were injured early Sunday in a mass shooting at a neighborhood block party. President Biden yesterday condemned the violence and called again for tightening gun laws. 
The Vatican over the weekend announced a new prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez has been chosen by Pope Francis and will take over the job in September. He will also serve as president of the Pontifical Biblical Commission. Fernandez will be succeeding Cardinal Luis Ladaria as prefect. The Vatican has released the Pope's schedule for the rest of the summer. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Holy See Press Office has released the calendar of pontifical liturgical celebrations for the months of July and August, even if July is traditionally the Pope's rest month where he suspends most of his activities. According to the calendar, the only official liturgical celebration to take place in the Vatican is the Mass for the Third World Day for grandparents and the elderly on Sunday, the 23rd of July. The Holy Father is scheduled to preside over Mass in St. Peter's Basilica at 10 a.m. The Church observes the World Day each year on the fourth Sunday in July, close to the Feast of Jesus' grandparents. Pope Francis instituted this day in 2021 to recall grandparents and the elderly, who he says are often forgotten, though he notes they are the link between generations passing on the experience of life and faith. The liturgical celebrations that follow will take place in the context of the Holy Father's upcoming apostolic journeys. On the first week of August, the Holy Father will preside over liturgical celebrations during his apostolic journey to Portugal. For the occasion of the World Youth Day, the visit will see him visit the nation's capital of Lisbon and make a stop to Fatima. For the second time as Pope, Pope Francis will visit the Marian pilgrimage site, the destination of millions of pilgrims every year. The Pope visited the shrine in 2017 for the centenary of the apparitions. Lisbon is hosting the fourth World Youth Day over which Pope Francis will preside. This World Youth Day was originally scheduled to take place in 2022, but was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The liturgical calendar also highlights that Pope Francis will preside over liturgical celebrations during his apostolic visit to Mongolia, which will take place between the 31st of August and the 4th of September. There are fewer than 1,500 Catholics in Mongolia, and Pope Francis will be the first pope to ever visit the country. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. Flight issues are not going away as Americans have begun to head home from the long 4th of July weekend. FlightAware reports there were more than 4,000 delays within, into, or out of the U.S. on Tuesday. Meantime, more than 450 flights were canceled across the country. Rain in New Jersey caused disruptions at Newark Liberty Airport, where the FAA reported delays on over an hour and a half for the average flight. Denver had weather problems as well. A record number of people were expected to travel over this year's holiday period. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. The Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track. 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. This is Every Day with St. Francis de Sales. Do not get upset about the dryness and coldness you are suffering. Be consoled in the depths of your heart, remembering the words of our Lord. How blessed are the poor in spirit! Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for holiness! How happy you should be to serve God in the desert! without manna and without water, consoled only by the fact that he is guiding you and you are suffering for him. If unjustly accused, bear witness to the truth quietly and calmly. For Sacred Heart Radio, I am Father Chris Armstrong. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Gary Zimak. You can find him at followingthetruth.com, and we've been going through his book, When Your Days Are Dark, God Is Still Good. Gary, good morning. Hey, any good to be on with you. It is good to have you. And today we're going to be talking about situations in which we are not strong enough to overcome on our own. And uh, our test case today is St. Paul the Apostle, and we're headed to his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 12. What does Paul reveal to us in that chapter? Oh, boy, I, I'll tell you what, this is the story of my life. I, I love, I love <laughs> I know, this right? part. This makes me feel so good, because what we see here in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, specifically verses 1 through 10, Paul is suffering from some mysterious thorn in the flesh. We're never really told exactly what this is, but it's something, it's an affliction of some kind that is affecting Paul's ability to, to minister, uh, you know, to share the good news. So Paul asks the Lord three times, not once, not twice, but three times to remove this thorn in the flesh, and then ultimately he gets the answer that, from the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, no, I'm not going to take this away, but I'm going to give you the grace that you need to overcome this affliction. At this point, Paul utters these words, which I love, which I really do think that I I believe and speak in some form this this message every day, when I am weak, then I am strong. And, and I think for so many of us who are going through something, or maybe faced with a big decision thinking, I can't do this, or, you know, sometimes it's involuntary, something we can't control, a situation we're thrown into, we remember that no matter how weak we feel, God is infinitely strong and can get us through and help us to deal with whatever it is that he is asking us to do. 
Yeah, I think one of the first things that we can say here when we're when we're reading this story, because just prior to him talking about this thorn in his flesh, I mean, we find out that he was caught up into the third heaven. I mean, like he's having some pretty incredible visions um, from the Lord and then gets this thorn in his flesh. And and as you mentioned, three times he begged the Lord to take this away from him. So right. I think we can look at that and say, well, it's okay to ask God to take away the suffering that we're, that we're enduring. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I've run into a lot of people who are afraid to do that. They say, well, I, I don't feel it's right to ask the Lord to take it away. And not only is this a good example, but when we look at what Jesus himself, the way he prayed on the night before he died, again, three times he he asked his his father, if this cup could pass me by, please let it happen. But not as I will, but your will be done. So Jesus himself gives us an example of praying in this manner. So it is absolutely okay. And, and, you know, my, my belief is, this is what I've found, I'm sure you've dealt with this as well, is that if God wants to say no, he's going to say no. He's, yeah. he's not going to be swayed, right? So, you know, there's no fear. If this affliction, if this difficulty, if this weakness truly is good for us, God's going to allow it to remain, no matter how much I beg. And that's really a good thing. Yeah. I mean, well, St. Paul is our test case here, right? God said no yeah. to Paul. He didn't take that right. thorn away. Exactly. And that's an answer. That's a valid answer to prayer. And and I think that it's difficult for us to accept that sometimes. But you know, you know what I'm learning, and this is going to be a lifelong process for me. What I'm learning is that the more you pray in this manner and the more you get to know the Lord and the greater confidence you begin to have in Him, the more willing you are to pray in such a way that, uh, you know, that accepts whatever He's going to send. In other words, all right, Lord, here's what I think I'd like, but but it's fine. You can answer this in any way possible. I, I find that that happens. I see it happen in my own life, that your prayer is more willing to, uh, when you pray, you're more willing to go along with whatever he sends because you know that he's got your best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, to say that, I mean, what a humbling moment that must have been for St. Paul when he heard from the Lord, my grace is sufficient for you. Right. I mean, right. to like, let's just sit back and think about St. Paul in this moment. I mean, we remember that he is a man. I mean, that, yeah. that he probably was tempted to, uh, to believe that, that he could do things through his own power. I mean, you see all of the successes that he had in his missionary journey. You read through the, the book of Acts and, and and see all of the conversions that came about. And yet um, God said, don't ever think that this is because of you that this is happening. My grace is sufficient for you. Right, exactly. And here is a case where the Lord is helping Paul to remain humble. Yeah. Because let's face it, this is not a weak guy. You know, he could call himself weak all he wants, but when you compare him to me, I mean, this guy was not weak. He was he was strong. He he was uh, you know he continued to to journey and, and share the good news uh, in, in spite of very difficult circumstances. So he endured so much, 
he wasn't weak. But, you know, for, for really for all of us, if we remember that, uh, we we tend to start to believe in our own power. We we tend to like to control, and no matter how much how strong we think we are, how much we can accomplish, we are infinitely weak when compared to God. And God mm-hmm. could do so much more through us once we admit that that okay, I, I'm weak. I can't do it without you, Lord. Please help me. And and that's what He's trying to do. And that's I believe that's what He does to to all of us in so many different ways to remind us that you need me, because we tend to forget about him. You know, we don't think we do, but we do. And then he has to help us remember that, yeah, we're weak without him. We need him. Well, and the important thing to remember here, too, is in in verse 10, he says, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, Mm. insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I think so often we we just sort of allow ourselves to curl up in the fetal position and just like suffer on our own and forget that this is for the sake of Christ. We always need to have that in front of us, Gary. Exactly. And that's I'm glad you brought that up. That is a great reminder. That's why that's why he was doing that's why Paul was doing what he was doing. And that's why Honestly, that's why I do what I do. That's what keeps me going. I've been in full-time ministry for close to 12 years now, and um, I've written 12 books. This is my 12th book, and every time I get a new book contract, I sit down and I begin to panic and think, oh my gosh, I can't do this. I'm not going to be able to write this book. And then the Lord tells me, you know, it's in the silence of my heart, but I feel this message I know, Gary, you are weak. You can't do this. But with my help, you can do this. And he gets me through these things, you know, because as weak as I, I find myself, and I don't consider myself to be an especially strong person, uh, I, I still tend to get a little proud and to get a little self-sufficient. That's, that's an unfortunate way that, you know, circumstance or situation that unfolds in my life quite often, and the Lord has to continually remind me, yeah, Gary, you can't do this on your own. And I think we all need a little bit of that each day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that is uh, common to humanity just in general, Gary. So how do we get to this point of being able to accept the suffering that, that we are enduring and allowing God's grace to take over? You know, I, I think if there's any strength involved in anything we do, and God does give us, us some capacity to endure and to be strong and to exercise virtue and to work at uh, these, these, uh, these situations that maybe need some work in our lives, he, and He does allow us to do that, I think this is a case in point where we can choose to be a little strong and say, you know what? I'm going through something really difficult. I don't know how I could do this on my own, or I have some sort of a challenge that I feel I need to undertake. I can work at choosing to say, all right, Lord, with your help, I can do this. I accept your will. Amen. We've been talking to Gary Zimak. The book is When Your Days Are Dark, God is Still Good, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Gary, thank you. My pleasure, Annie. See you next time. Bye-bye. Sounds good. All right, it's uh, 13 till. We're back with Dr. Jared Stout right after this. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. 
Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Bernadette Bogusky, Executive Director of WCCR Cleveland, AM 1260 The Rock. Why do we need Catholic Radio? To reach the hearts, minds, and souls of those who are searching for deeper meaning and don't know where to turn. To bring clarity to a world full of lies and confusion. And to share the good news of joy and mercy with a world so desperate for the truth. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio. Now more than ever. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Dr. Jared Stout. We've been going through his book, How the Eucharist Can Save Civilization. Dr. Stout, welcome back. Good morning. So we left off our last conversation discussing the Last Supper and the institution of the Eucharist and the priesthood, which, of course, saw part of his passion and death and resurrection. And we discussed how he wanted, Jesus that is, wanted this to be an enduring celebration. So my first question to you today, Dr. Stout, is what evidence do we have that that this is the case, that Jesus intended the celebration of the Eucharist to be an enduring thing and not just that one time with the apostles in the upper room? Well, he makes it very clear at the Last Supper when he says to the disciples, do this in memory of me. Um, And actually, when you think about the church's life, that's the one thing that we've been pretty good about, is that we have been doing that in memory of him consistently for 2,000 years. Um, And I certainly give evidence in the book to show that this is the case. We have been doing this from the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, particularly like the day of the resurrection, we see Jesus alluding to this. Yes, and and, in more of a roundabout way, but, you know, when, when Mary Magdalene seeks to cling to him, and he says, do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father he seems to be promising a, a new way of being close to his followers. Uh, when he ascends to the Father, he will be more present to them than he was in the past. They're thinking, we're, we're going to lose Jesus. And he's saying, no, wait, I, I have something even better for you. Um, because when he was with the disciples on earth, you know, he was alongside of them. But through the Mass, he actually enters into them and making them members of his own body. Now, of course, we also see on Easter Sunday, right, that Jesus is walking with two of the disciples to Emmaus. And, you know, there's that hilarious moment when he's like, what's going on? They're like, don't you know? Everybody knows. No, what things? T- t- tell me what things have happened, you know? Mm-hmm. And so the disciples 
say that, you know, we thought Jesus was going to be the Messiah, and so then Jesus explains the passion going throughout all of salvation history. They say that their hearts were burning when he was explaining this to them, but they still didn't know him. And so they, they get to, to where they're going in Emmaus, and it's only in the breaking of the bread that the disciples recognize him. And, and it seems like there's a decisive turning point at that moment that the disciples can't even recognize Jesus any longer. The way that they're going to be able to see him, the way that they'll be able to abide in him is through the Eucharist. But how incredible that, that, that on the day of the resurrection, they can recognize him in the breaking of the bread. I guess all of the prefigurement of, of the Eucharist really comes into play there with those disciples on the way to Emmaus. It's hard to deny, right, you know, that Jesus is saying, this is it. You know, this is the way. Like, you will know me in the breaking of the bread. Uh, And when you, you know, think back to even our previous conversations, right, you know, Jesus as the new Paschal lamb that needs to be consumed, the the Last Supper discourse in John 6, you know, um, unless you eat my body, my flesh, unless you drink my blood, you will not have my life within you, and then the Last Supper itself, do this in memory of me. You put it all together, and then as you're saying, right on Easter Sunday, there it is. Like, this is the way. The Eucharist really does form the very heart of the Christian life and the Church. That is the, the pulse, this, the beating center uh, of the life of the Church, because it's where we encounter Jesus, just like those disciples on their way to Emmaus. Right, and is really the answer to the question, because when, when Jesus says that it's going to be better for us, that he leaves and goes to the Father, and you might think, how could that possibly be the case, that we would be better off without with Jesus ascending back to the Father? But the Eucharist is the answer to that question. Yeah, it, it cracks me up when I read that, you know. It's better for you that I go away. And you can imagine the disciples just freaking out like, no, no, Jesus, it isn't. Stay, no, please, stay with us. Stay. And actually, there is even that prayer, right, on the way to Emmaus where the disciples say, stay with us, for evening draws near, stay with us. And I really reflect on how that is a great prayer. And, and Jesus does answer it. He is right here with us. He's giving us everything that we need to get through all of our difficulties, but it is by consuming his flesh, right, by the communion that we have with him, that he is with us. He does remain with us. He's right there in the tabernacle all the time. Um, And we really need to learn to rely on him more and more. Yeah. So can you talk about the role of the church when it comes to the abiding presence of Christ in the world today? Well, I, I look at Acts of the Apostles as a model of this, you know, because we were talking about you know, the day of the resurrection, but, but what happens after the ascension? Well, the church awaits the gift of the Holy Spirit, and then something changes. Right? These apostles who were afraid and they were hiding, all of a sudden they have a lot of courage, and they're going out into the world, and they're bold, boldly proclaiming Jesus. And the, the community that they gather together, and, you know, the word church means the assembly or, or gathering, uh, not only of Israel, but the gathering in of the nations. And we see in Acts 2 that they devoted themselves, this early community, to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And I think that is it, right? I mean, we say, well, what, what is our role in the world right now as the church? I mean, we want to be faithful to the teaching that Jesus has given us through the apostles, 
to really support one another in fellowship, and, and that's something I think that we really need to improve on in the church right now. We're lacking in fellowship, the breaking of the bread, and, and prayer. And something that I explore in the second section of the book is the connection of prayer and the Eucharist, because if we're not experiencing the fruit of the Eucharist at Mass on Sunday, it may be because we do not have the deep enough prayer life to, to really grow in, in the communion that Jesus offers us. And so the Church's mission is to make the presence of Jesus known throughout the world. And, and so the, the Church has this mission of being Christ in the world. And I, and I look at this more through Paul, that Paul is the one who persecuted Jesus in the members of his body. And so when Jesus says to Paul, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, right? Paul did not directly persecute Jesus, he persecuted Christians. But Jesus says, that's me. And that shows us that we are Christ in the world. We are his body in the world. Our mission is Eucharistic, to be Jesus's presence in the world. And I think Paul is able to, to draw that out in 1 Corinthians and in other places to show this mystical identity um, as Christ. And that is really our core identity as Christians. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jared Stout. How the Eucharist can save civilization is linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Another hour coming up for most of our affiliates on EWTN. You know dot com. Wednesday, July the 5th. It is the Feast of St. Elizabeth of Portugal. Let's begin this hour praying the collect for Mass today through her intercession. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. O God, author of peace and lover of charity, who adorned St. Elizabeth of Portugal with a marvelous grace for reconciling those in conflict, grant through her intercession that we may become peacemakers and so be called children of God. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good morning, and welcome to Hour 2 of the Sunrise Morning Show here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Anna Mitchell, coming to you from the studio's of Sacred Heart Catholic Radio in Cincinnati, Ohio. Paul Lockman at the controls for us. Matt Swaim is on vacation this week, but he did leave us with one conversation that we will be uh, hearing later this hour with Father Boniface Hicks as we continue our series on his book, Personal Prayer, book he co-authored, that is. Uh, also this hour, Father Philip Michael Tangora will kick it off 
with um, a conversation about the newly appointed head of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith. I still kind of like slip up. It used to be the congregation for the doctrine of the faith, but now it is the dicastery. And um, so Father has some, uh, well, we'll find out what um, what this job entails, and then we'll talk a little bit about the man who has been appointed to serve starting in September. And then we have a two-part conversation with Father Thomas Berg, looking at more themes from his book, Choosing Forgiveness. Today, we are going to be talking about forgiveness as an act of worship, and also uh, perhaps the hardest thing to do when it comes to forgiving anyone, forgiving ourselves. So that is all ahead. Hope you can stick around and enjoy the entire hour. Right now, it's three minutes past, and news is a service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. A federal judge is restricting the Biden administration from communicating with social media platforms about their online content. The ruling yesterday says the FBI and other agencies cannot speak with social media sites for the purpose of removing, deleting, or suppressing content that is protected by free speech under the First Amendment. Republicans have accused the Biden administration of coercing social media companies into censoring critics. The U.S. and Russia are in talks about a possible prisoner swap involving a Wall Street Journal reporter. Mark Mayfield has the story. That's according to a Kremlin spokesperson who also noted that talks must be carried out and continue in complete silence. Evan Gershkovich is accused of spying by Russia. The Kremlin's comments came a day after the U.S. ambassador to Russia visited Gershkovich. The ambassador said Gershkovich appeared to be in good health. I'm Mark Mayfield. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky claims Russian forces are active at a nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine. During his nightly address last night, Zelensky warned of a possible false flag attack on the Ukrainian infrastructure. The nuclear plant was seized by Russian forces in March of 2022, but last week the Russian staff apparently abruptly left their stations, raising fears of a possible attack. Ten people are dead and 38 have been wounded in three separate mass shootings in the U.S. over the 4th of July holidays. In Fort Worth, three people were killed and eight were wounded in a shooting late Monday after a local Independence Day festival. In Philadelphia, five people were killed and two were wounded Monday night when a suspect in body armor opened fire on a group of strangers. And in Baltimore, two people were shot dead and 28 were injured early Sunday in a mass shooting at a neighborhood block party. The Vatican over the weekend announced a new prefect of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez has been chosen by Pope Francis and will take over the job in September. The archbishop will also be serving as the president of the Pontifical Biblical Commission. More on this with Father Philip Michael Tangora in just a few minutes. Caritas Internacionales has issued a plea to humanitarian agencies to resume food aid in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. On their website, Caritas, along with numerous religious leaders and aid agencies, calls for U.S. Agency for International Development, USAID, and World Food Program, WFP, to resume life-saving food distribution immediately. 
The statement explains that the food aid was suspended on the 30th of March 2023 in the Tigray region after widespread and systemic diversion of large amounts of food meant for hungry people was discovered. The pause was extended to the entire Ethiopian territory in early June. Highlighting the gravity of the situation, Caritas Internationalis Secretary-General Alistair Dutton notes that for three months, millions of people in need of vital assistance have been deprived of food, drastically reducing the health and security of those already suffering from severe trauma and deprivation following a two-year war and prolonged drought. Caritas's appeal echoes those of several Ethiopian religious leaders. In a joint letter addressed to the government of Ethiopia, USAID and the WFP, Cardinal Berharian Jesus, president of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of Ethiopia, and Reverend Kes Jonas, president of the Mekanya Jesus Evangelical Church of Ethiopia, say that further delays in the delivery of food support would only lead to further catastrophe for those in need. Also, Abuna Matias, patriarch of the Ethiopian Orthodox Tewahedo Church, stresses how suspending this vital support is resulting in severe suffering of people due to hunger. Finally, adding his voice to the appeal, the Catholic Bishop of Adigarat, Tesfalesaye Medin, said the deaths of hundreds of people due to starvation cannot be the price to pay to fix the system. Finally, Caritas reiterates in the statement that it joins the Ethiopian religious leaders' plea to USAID and WFP to immediately resume food aid distributions to avoid the predictable devastating consequence for those who have the right to receive aid. I'm Francesca Merlo. And the injury replacements for the upcoming MLB All-Star Game have been chosen. Mariners center fielder Julio Rodriguez will replace Jordan Alvarez. Mariners pitcher George Kirby will take over for Shane McClanahan. Rays shortstop Wander Franco fills in for Aaron Judge, and Astros outfielder Kyle Tucker will play in place of Mike Trout. In the National League, Pirates closer David Bednar was selected to replace Clayton Kershaw. Franco and Kirby are first-time All-Stars, so congratulations to them. Today is Wednesday, July the 5th, the Feast of St. Elizabeth of Portugal. Pray for us. Back with us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Philip Michael Tangora. He's a pastor, a canon lawyer, and author of Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life. Good morning, Father. Good morning. So Pope Francis over the weekend appointed the next prefect for the dicastery of the Doctrine of the Faith. Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez, come September, will succeed Cardinal Luis Ladaria. And you're a big fan of Cardinal Ladaria, correct? I am. He was my professor on the Trinity at the Gregorian University, so did a good job. I think I believe in the Trinity, so we're good. <laughs> well, that's that's an important one to get right for sure. So, um, absolutely. Be- before we get to know, or before we get to know um, Archbishop Fernandez, I want to talk about his job a little bit because this dicastery for the doctrine of the faith has undergone some updates, um, not least of which being the name, which I still trip over, Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. But remind us of all that is sort of changed in this Dicastery. Well, there was also a letter that Pope Francis wrote that got published by America uh, to the new uh, prefect. And it kind of lays out some of those changes. The emphasis that is happening now is really on evangelization and the uh, they don't want the diacastry to be the office that punishes those who uh, teach a theology that is not necessarily consonant with the Catholic faith. 
They want there to be more of like a guide, uh, a guiding hand to the development of theological thought and not, you know, this, the, the history of the bit, the Holy office where it was coming down and correcting and rebuking uh, theologians who hammer and heretics, so hammer speak. and heretics. Exactly. <laughs> and he, he, Pope Francis doesn't even want him to focus so much on the section dealing with uh, grave delicts. He really just wants him to be a harmonizer of different theological thoughts. Hmm. That's interesting so, because, I mean, that's not to say that the the what's the word I'm looking for? The disciplinary part of of the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith that still exists. It's just like kind of a separate department with a separate staff. Is that right? Yeah. And the emphasis for this particular prefect is really going to be not the Supreme Apostolic Tribunal dealing with all the canon law grave delicts, but the working with theologians. Okay. What do you, what, um, I guess I, I'm curious of your commentary what are my on thoughts? this. Yeah. yeah. What are right. your thoughts? You see, I think, and this, this applies to the church in general in many ways, but it's definitely being seen in this uh, selection here. Uh, you know, Einstein defines insanity as doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. <laughs> yeah. I think what people have come to uh, uh, tangle with, and this is where the tension is, do we continue to do the same thing that we've always done and just shrug when it doesn't work? Or do we try new things? And I think that that's really where the church is, is at right now. Now, the thing is, those methods to bring people to faith uh, that have been tried and true throughout history are what they are. And I think the, the challenge is instead of maybe trying to do something totally new and innovative, what we need to do is do the same things that we've always done that are effective and been tested and tried and true, but using maybe new mediums to convey that message and to get that message out there so as to bring people to faith. And I think that that's really, uh, you know, there are those in the church right now who want to just say, well, we've done what we've done for 2000 years. It doesn't work anymore. And so we're just going to go off and do something now new and different. And then there are those who are saying, no, 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 no. These are the tried and tested methods that work. And we got to stick with them. And I think that this guy's task is to try and harmonize the two. Hmm. What do you, based on what you know about Archbishop Fernandez, what do you think are the possibilities of that? I have absolutely no clue because I've read a lot of differing opinions published in the news in the last few days. Mm -hmm. Uh heavy criticism over his book on kissing that was meant when he was a young priest to, for reaching out to the youth and some things and words in those poems and whatnot mm -hmm. that might be somewhat inappropriate to the fact that he was always looked upon as a guy who harmonized, brought two uh, 
seemingly contradictory views and was able to work out uh, a sense of peace. But at the same time, we have to remember what a former prefect of the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith once said, there's the difference between truth and tolerance. Yeah. And, and you know, it's not just about compromise and it's not just about harmonizing for the sake of uh, a meaningless peace. We have to always stand for what is the truth and we need to try and get at that truth. And that does mean listening. And it does mean making sure that we are uh, seeking to understand with greater depth and clarity the teachings that we've already uh, have, but to ha- and to repropose them. I think you know a good thing for people to do is read John the Twenty Third's opening address for the Second Vatican Council, uh, Gaudet Mater Ecclesiae, where he talks about the fact that we have to take the same substance of the faith, but we need to repropose it to this generation, to the modern world, in a way that it is intelligible as going to be received by them. Yeah. I think that's a good place to leave it for now. It'll be interesting to see what comes about uh, come September and beyond with the dicastery for the doctrine of the faith and uh, how things play out in Rome in that regard. We've been talking to Father Philip Michael Tangora, and you can find his book, Holiness and Living the Sacramental Life, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father, thank you so much. All right. God bless everybody. You too, Father. Thank you. All right. Let's take a look at weather across the nation. Rain and thunderstorms will be soaking the southern plains, the Gulf Coast states, and the southeast, mainly this afternoon and evening. The coasts of the mid-Atlantic and northeast will see chances for drizzle or light showers. Rain and thunderstorms will be found in the Front Range, the Central Plains, mid-Mississippi Valley, and the Midwest. Better chance for severe weather here. High pressure will be building over the northern plains in the upper Mississippi Valley, allowing for dry weather today. Dry weather will also persist west of the Rockies, but fire concerns continue to be elevated across the west coast given the dry weather and breezy winds. We got headlines coming up next here on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 16 past. For over 500 years, the church-honored spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola have formed many saints. This treasured way of personal prayer with God is now available to you for free. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com and bring Ignatian prayer to others. Lord Teach Me to Pray is approved by the USCCB. Order your free training manual at lordteachmetopray.com. Lord Teach Me to Pray underwrites the Sunrise Morning Show. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Do you use a single-brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. 
when you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. EWTN, communicating the faith. The best way to practice not really being able to fully celebrate in other people's successes is to go to what you're grateful for in your own life. So when someone next to you is having a a great success, you immediately go to, Lord, I'm so grateful. I have my health. I have my husband. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. And all of a sudden, everything becomes just perfect. EWTN, live truth, live Catholic. 18 past now on the Sunrise Morning Show. Let's take a look at headlines. A federal judge is restricting the Biden administration from communicating with social media platforms about online content. Caritas Internacionalis has issued a plea to humanitarian agencies asking them to resume food aid in the Tigray region of Ethiopia. And the Vatican has released the Pope's schedule for the rest of the summer. Next newscast coming up in about 11 minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. News at the top and bottom of each hour. So I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July weekend. We, of course, uh, took off quite a few days here on the Sunrise Morning Show, uh, Friday and then Monday, and of course yesterday for Independence Day. So hope you enjoyed uh, the summer specials that we uh, plugged in for you to uh, listen to. I know I had a lot of fun putting them together. Um, It's so fun to talk about the faith in light of themes of summer. I mean, you could do this with any season of the year and You know, I'm kind of inspired to maybe try that when we have some, uh, you know, fall breaks or uh, winter breaks here on the morning show, spring breaks as well. Um, Because our Catholic faith is meant to inform all aspects of our lives. And so even when we're laying on the beach with our Mai Tais or, you know, pina coladas or whatever, um, there's still opportunity to reflect on the faith and to allow the faith to just immerse us. And so um, with that in mind, that's what inspired the summer specials. And I hope you learned a lot about, you know, gardening from a Catholic perspective, for instance. Anyway, we'll be right back. It's 21 past. Season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange and blossoming jasmine go check them out through our link to mystic monk coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com and when you make a purchase we earn a commission while you're at our site pick up a mug or etched travel mug which are available in our online store get your mugs and link to mystic monk coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com this past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride but you have the power to get your business back on track 
by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Dearest Jesus, teach me yourself to be silent. Abide in me as you do in the tabernacle, for my soul thirsts for this grace. Your loved presence guards my soul and keeps in check my thoughts, my words, my acts. Stay in my heart, dear Jesus, and transform it through love, humility, penance, and silence. Silence will help me to become more and more true, and this is sometimes more difficult than it seems. Love, patience, gentleness, humility, silence. Give me all these, dear Jesus, and make me holy insofar as you wish. Use me for souls, for your loved missions and missionaries. Use me in your own interest, for your greater glory, and that all be done and suffered in silence in the chapel of my little soul. For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Sister Patricia Jean, Sister of St. Joseph the Worker in Walton, Kentucky. by Father Bonifus Hicks, and he is the author of Personal Prayer, A Guide to Receiving the Father's Love. We've been going through, um, you know, how to better understand and, uh, you know, position ourselves in a spirit of prayer and the liturgy. Father, good morning. Good morning, Matt. How you doing? I'm doing well, and today we're going to talk about modesty in Mass, but not the way that you think. Like, a lot of people think, oh, that just means that, uh, you know, I should probably dress appropriately for the liturgy, but when we're talking about modesty and the way that uh, we're called into sort of a modest spirit of prayer, uh, how are we, I mean, what is it that we're trying to get at here? Well, this, uh, <clears throat> this section of the book is, is primarily a quote from Romano Guardini and his Spirit of the Liturgy, uh, a beautiful paragraph where he observes uh, really kind of the modesty that the Mass itself has. And then uh, there's a little note there also about our own spiritual modesty. But, but, but the first thing is really the way that the Mass itself is able to engage every human emotion. It is uh, our, our joy. We can be moved to tears. We can feel our own uh, weakness. We can be, uh, our hearts can be pierced with compunction for our sins. We can be encouraged in our mission as Christians. We all kinds of things that can engage us emotionally. And two people sitting next to each other can have very different experiences at the same time, depending on where they are with the Lord. And one person can have tears coming down their face, while another person is sort of overflowing with, with joy and praise. And that could happen in the same Mass, because during the Mass, for example, Jesus is becoming present. His whole Paschal mystery is being renewed, and His love is, is being revealed to us. And so, uh, depending on where we are internally, that's going to, to strike us in different ways. And yet, that can happen in the Mass without it being problematic. Somebody's tears next to me don't prevent me from being overflowing with joy. And uh, I, and, and likewise, my my joy doesn't need to overwhelm the person next to me so that they don't feel like it's appropriate to be to be moved to contrition and, and tears. And so there's a there's a kind of veil over the mass that engages the heart 
and yet it doesn't, as uh, Romana Gordini says, it doesn't drag anything into the light. It doesn't force us to reveal our inner secrets. It doesn't uh, require us to, to make manifest these, these very hidden and deep movements in our hearts, which would be, uh, in some cases, maybe in many cases, inappropriate. It's not about allowing all of our interior life to be displayed out for everybody else to see. There's uh, very intimate and, and hidden places that we can meet the Lord, and, and the Mass brings, brings all of that out. You know, it's so interesting to me, uh, thinking back on my experience of, you know, some worship contexts in the evangelical world, and just what a different kind of way of thinking that is. Because, you know, the idea would be that you'd go to church, uh, there'd be you know, sometimes if you were going to sort of a more praise and worship-oriented congregation in terms of the music, you know, extended, you know, musical interludes, sometimes you'd be singing for a half hour straight, and the goal would be to have people, like, have expressive emotions on their faces, right, to raise their hands, to kind of, like, be moving around, and, you know, some people are genuinely authentically doing that, but if you're in that, you know, row of chairs— and you see everybody in the row doing it for you, except for you. You're like, ah, I gotta, I gotta, you know, work this up in myself, or I've got to, you know, look like I'm, you know, having the same kind of spiritual experience as everybody else, or I've just got to go to the bathroom and just like hide out for the next 15 minutes till they finish singing the same chorus 20 more times, right? Uh, whereas, mm. and people don't understand that that there's a freedom in the mass to where everybody can come as they are, and. I don't really look around at mass to see what everybody else is doing emotionally speaking. The church has basically said, here's when you kneel, here's when you stand, <laughs> here's when you sit. Right. And that seems like it would be like a restricting thing, but in some ways if you've come from that other world, it's a really freeing thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and that has, you know, those kinds of prayer meetings can have their own value. Sometimes we benefit from having a little electricity run through us. There's a collective effervescence, to use a Durkheimian term, of being together with others and, and our hearts being moved. There's a resonance and a synchrony that can happen there. So it's a, not that that's a, a, a terrible thing, but the Mass is universal. The Mass is something that's meant to flow through our whole life. The Mass is meant to engage the whole range of humanity, and it's meant to do that every time. And so it's playing a very different role uh, than that other kind of uh, prayer meeting, which I also, again, appreciate. But I wouldn't appreciate being forced into that every Sunday for Sunday Mass as uh, as the mainstay of my life from age 3 to age 93. Uh, then being sort of forced, pushed around emotionally, we might say, would start to feel that way if that's the only way that I could worship. Well, and that's also because in those particular worlds, there's not this realm of a whole buffet of different kinds of spiritualities that you can adapt to various, <laughs> you know, personalities, uh, the way that, you know, you can go to a mass and there are people who are like lay Carmelites, people who are more into like third order Franciscan life, some people who are more into Benedictine life, some people who are, you know, maybe part of a charismatic community and they all kind of go to mass in the same place. Uh, there's not really room for a lot of those different expressions in one of those previous worlds that I came from, you kind of all have to be sort of the same personality type. And the mass, the universality of the mass, I think is a real, I don't know, I, I think it's a real gift that that is easily overlooked. Yeah, it brings, you said it beautifully, it brings all of those different spiritualities together. It's genuinely Catholic. 
You know, it's a Catholic worship. It, it's universal. It covers the whole range of humanity and individual styles of prayer and spiritualities and whatever moment is happening at a particular time in our life. And so it's, it's uniting of everyone, the source, center, and summit of, of all that we do in our Catholic faith. Well, thank you so much, Father Boniface Hicks. Thank you, Matt. You can find Personal Prayer, a guide to receiving the Father's love, linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. A federal judge has restricted members of the Biden administration from communicating with social media platforms about online content. The ruling yesterday says the FBI and other agencies cannot speak with social media sites for the purpose of removing, deleting or suppressing content that should be protected by free speech under the First Amendment. Republicans have accused the Biden administration of coercing social media companies to censor certain speech. The U.S. and Russia are in talks about a possible prisoner swap involving a Wall Street Journal reporter. That's according to a Kremlin spokesperson who also noted that talks, quote, must be carried out and continue in complete silence, end quote. Evan Gershkovich is accused of spying by Russia. The Kremlin's comments come a day after the U.S. ambassador to Russia visited him. The ambassador said Gershkovich appeared to be in good health. Meanwhile, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky says Russian forces are active at a nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine. Mark Mayfield reports. During Tuesday's nightly address, Zelensky warned of a possible false flag attack on the Ukrainian infrastructure. The nuclear plant was seized by Russian forces in March of 2022, but last week the Russian staff abruptly left their stations, raising fears of a possible attack. In his speech, Zelensky claimed that Russian soldiers had placed objects resembling explosives on several of the plant's rooftops. While the reactors have been shut down since September, an explosion at the plant could still spread radiation or cause a nuclear meltdown. I'm Mark Mayfield. Ten people have died and 38 people were wounded in three separate mass shootings in the U.S. over the 4th of July weekend. In Fort Worth, three people were killed and eight wounded in a shooting late Monday after a local Independence Day festival. In Philadelphia, five people were killed and two were wounded Monday night when a suspect in body armor opened fire on a group of strangers. And in Baltimore, two people were shot dead and 28 were injured early Sunday in a mass shooting at a neighborhood block party. President Biden yesterday condemned all the violence and called again for tightening gun laws. The Vatican over the weekend announced a new prefect for the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez has been chosen by Pope Francis and will take over the job in September. He'll also serve as president of the Pontifical Biblical Commission. Fernandez will be succeeding Cardinal Luis Ladoria as prefect. The Vatican, meanwhile, has released the Pope's schedule for the rest of the summer. From Vatican Radio, Deborah Castellano-Lubov reports. The Holy See Press Office has released the calendar of pontifical liturgical celebrations for the months of July and August, even if July is traditionally the Pope's rest month where he suspends most of his activities. According to the calendar, the only official liturgical celebration to take place in the Vatican is the Mass for the Third World Day for grandparents and the elderly on Sunday, the 23rd of July. The Holy Father is scheduled to preside over Mass in St. Peter's Basilica at 10 a.m. The Church observes 
serves the World Day each year on the fourth Sunday in July, close to the feast of Jesus' grandparents. Pope Francis instituted this day in 2021 to recall grandparents and the elderly, who he says are often forgotten, though he notes they are the link between generations passing on the experience of life and faith. The liturgical celebrations that follow will take place in the context of the Holy Father's upcoming apostolic journeys. On the first week of August, the Holy Father will preside over liturgical celebrations during his apostolic journey to Portugal for the occasion of the World Youth Day. The visit will see him visit the nation's capital of Lisbon and make a stop to Fatima. For the second time as Pope, Pope Francis will visit the Marian pilgrimage site, the destination of millions of pilgrims every year. The Pope visited the shrine in 2017 for the centenary of the apparitions. Lisbon is hosting the fourth World Youth Day over which Pope Francis will preside. This World Youth Day was originally scheduled to take place in 2022, but was postponed due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The liturgical calendar also highlights that Pope Francis will preside over liturgical celebrations during his apostolic visit to Mongolia, which will take place between the 31st of August and the 4th of September. There are fewer than 1,500 Catholics in Mongolia, and Pope Francis will be the first pope to ever visit the country. I'm Deborah Castellano-Lubov. And the Vatican has put out a notice that the list of participants for the October Synod on Synodality will be released July 7th. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 past. This past year has been a crazy roller coaster ride, but you have the power to get your business back on track by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Weekday mornings, your message will reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners across the U.S. and around the globe who want to know more about and support Catholic businesses and organizations. To get national exposure for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. Do you use a single brew coffee maker at your home or in your workplace? The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have single-use coffee pods especially for you. Go to the Mystic Monk Coffee site through our site, sunrisemorningshow.com, to browse the Monk Shot options. When you check out, we'll earn a commission. And why not brew it straight into a Sunrise Morning Show mug or travel mug? You can find those in our online store. Buy a mug and link for some monk shots for your Keurig at sonrisemorningshow.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, what is hope? Hope is a divine virtue by which we firmly trust that God will give us eternal life and the means to obtain it. Trust. It is not easy in this life because we sometimes feel that we are not given what we need and so we can fall into despair. Other times, it seems as if we have more than we need, and it seems that we've gotten it on our own power, and then we have presumption. But the virtue of hope goes between presumption and despair, and instead it trusts. And it trusts what? God, not our own efforts, that he will give us eternal life. And so we can say that if we don't receive a particular temporal good, if we feel lonely, we feel lost, or even hungry, we can say, perhaps God is not allowing me to have that right now, because it's not necessary for my salvation. And yet I have firm trust that no matter what happens, he will bring me into his presence where I can enjoy his company forever. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. It's 37 minutes past the hour, and you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Wanted to take a couple of minutes before we uh, move on to Father talking to Father Thomas Berg 
uh, to talk about today's saint. So, of course, um, yesterday is independent was Independence Day in the United States, and so today, July fifth, in the United States, we celebrate Saint Elizabeth of Portugal, who on the worldwide liturgical calendar, I guess you could say, um, her feast day was yesterday. But of course, she would be overlooked on July 4th in the United States. So here in the U.S., we celebrate her today. And I I just think that her story is so, um, well, so apropos of, of the conversation that we'll be having with Father Thomas Berg here in just a moment about forgiveness as worship. So um, Elizabeth was a princess. She was daughter of King Pedro III of Aragon. And when she was 12 years old, uh, married King Denis, D-I-N-I-Z, of Portugal. And so became the queen of Portugal at age 12. And uh, the, the summary of her life that I'm reading right now, it says the king was known for his hard work, his poetic nature, and his lack of morals. So Elizabeth suffered through years of, of abuse, of unfaithfulness from her husband, uh, uh, from her husband, um, and all the while was was praying for him, and was doing all of this charitable work with with the poor and the sick, and. Um, her unfaithful husband had several illegitimate children, and she supported them all. And um, it says here that uh, the forces of the king and and a prince clashed in open, open civil war, and she had been unjustly accused of siding with her son against the crown. Elizabeth rode on to the battlefield between them and was able to reconcile father and son and prevent bloodshed. And so she is a patron of peacemaking. Saint Elizabeth of Portugal, pray for us. We're coming up on uh, 20 minutes past the hour now. Joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show is Father Thomas Berg. We've been reflecting on themes out of his new book, Choosing Forgiveness, Unleash the Power of God's Grace from our Sunday visitor. Good morning, Father. Good morning. Father, we know that we're called to forgive those who trespass against us. And I think most often we think of this as as an act of charity after the model of our Lord. But how can it also be an act of worship? That's uh, a beautiful question. We And we get into that in uh, one of the final chapters of, of the book. Um, and I think we have to connect it to the concept of blessing uh, another person. Um, when um, to bless someone essentially is to to wish them not just to wish them well, kind of on a superficial level, but really to to want and to will their good. And that's where the connection to forgiveness comes in. Um, a lot of times when, as, as a confessor, when, you know, people bring to confession their struggle to forgive someone, sometimes a simple question I ask is, okay, can we do this? Um, can you say at least honestly that, 
you want this person's good. You want the good for them. You want them to get to heaven. You want them to be to be well in this life. Um, sometimes that's a first step in, in a way uh, if a person can say that they're kind of already there forgiving. And that's really at the heart of blessing. And this is where this is where forgiveness um, in our lives truly becomes an offering. You know, when we think of what worship is, it's the offering of ourselves uh, to God. You know, Jesus says in John 4, 23, the, the day is coming when true worshipers will worship my father in spirit and truth. Um, to, to do that is, is, I mean, what at times, given the magnitude of what forgiveness means, what, what a better way to offer this oblation of, of myself um, to to want the the good for that other person, and this is where even on a, on a daily basis, and we talk about kind of doing this exercise. You can even make it part of like your evening examination of conscience, just to go back through the day and see where forgiveness was needed, and where maybe and maybe at that moment, at the end of the day, I can actually engage in that act of forgiveness and and offer that up as a kind of final offering at the end of the day so it's it's truly an offering of self and to think of that way to connect it to prayer to our interior life to our spiritual growth is is deeply enriching and it's it's really it's really wonderful to think of it that way yeah i wanted to ask you specifically about making it part of a daily examine practice can you talk more about that and how forgiveness fits in there Sure. I, I would hope that um, all, most of our listeners or all of our listeners have, have that habit of uh, doing um, at least some kind of examination of conscience at some point during the day. It doesn't necessarily have to be um, at the end of the day. I'm, I, I try to do it at the end of the day sometimes, but I'm, I, I, often, I often fail um, because we're tired or, you know, but, um, yeah. but to take a moment during the day to to engage it's it's really kind of a comes from ignatian spirituality to do the the examine as it is as it is called um and that's a, a really a very simple thing of kind of placing myself in in our lord's presence and um thanking him for the graces received that day and just opening myself up to kind of look back it's not kind of going through a laundry list of necessarily you know what i did or failed to do um it's Kind of looking back to discern where our Lord has been acting, and and in that moment we can connect that to forgiveness as we kind of look back and just allow the Holy Spirit to show us um, has there been um, on my part, you know, has there been a grudge, has there been anger, has there been tension during the day? With where was the tension? With whom? What was that about? Um, was, was I the culprit was, was I not the culprit is, and that opens up then the opportunity to say, okay, there's, there's someone I need to forgive here. And, um, and how wonderful to, you know, to not go to bed, you know, angry at someone. Um, this is really good for married couples, by the, by the mm -hmm. way. Um, uh, and just, yeah, to, to make that part of the daily examination of conscience to, to daily go through. And, and, um, if I do, you know, see and recognize that there's need to, um, to engage in, in forgiveness there, well, then I can, I can offer that up and, and what a beautiful way to, to make that part of every day, part of my prayer offering, part of the offering of myself, 
Um, and uh, a moment of examination of conscience is a good time to do that. Yeah. And how does that better than help us recognize our own sinfulness and need for God's forgiveness? Oh, absolutely. Because you, the, I mean, obviously the examination is normally, you know, focused on us and, and, um, and often reveals, you know, where we've, where we've failed, where we've faltered, where we've been less than sensitive to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And, and that what, what can accrue from the examine is just this, hopefully a very, uh, uh, not an oppressive sense of kind of, you know, my sins, kind of that laundry list thing, but um, a deeper sense of, yeah, I'm a creature and I'm limited and, and God's love is so tremendous. And before that love, my attempt to correspond to that is just so poor at times. And what that opens up is just should open up is a tremendous sense of trust in his mercy. But as we experience that mercy, that just disposes us to, to be, much more easily merciful to others who who need our forgiveness. Yeah, absolutely. And that will lead us seamlessly into the topic of uh, the next part of our conversation. Father Thomas, uh, stay on the line here, um, because coming up next, as we continue to discuss themes from choosing forgiveness, uh, we're going to talk about the importance of forgiving ourselves, which oftentimes I am the hardest person that I need to forgive, right? And so uh, we'll be talking about that next with Father Thomas Berg coming up after headlines. It's 13 till. Central Fabricators is proud to support the Sunrise Morning Show, where you'll get news from the Catholic perspective while keeping you up to date on what's happening in the Vatican as well. It's also a great way to keep in touch with the Catholic faith throughout the week. Central Fabricators, based in Cincinnati, Ohio, is a family-owned business for over 75 years, manufacturing and repairing corrosion-resistant storage tanks, reactors, and pressure vessels. On the web at centralfabricators.com. That's centralfabricators.com. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into the suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. And click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Tis the season for iced tea. If you're looking for some unique flavors to enjoy, the Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of options, including lemongrass mint, ginger orange, and blossoming jasmine. Go check them out through our link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. And when you make a purchase, we earn a commission. While you're at our site, pick up a mug or etched travel mug, which are available in our online store. Get your mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee for tea at sunrisemorningshow.com. To ask, why should I pray, is the same as asking, why should I raise my mind and heart to God, since that's what prayer is. But when stated like that, it's pretty obvious. We need to pray because God is He to whom our minds and hearts are ultimately directed. Union with Him is our ultimate destiny. Without prayer, we lose our direction to God as our ultimate end, and thus set ourselves on a path that leads back into the slavery of sin. 
6.11 till here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Before we get back to Father Thomas Berg, let's take a look at headlines for the day. A federal judge has restricted the Biden administration from communicating with social media platforms for the purpose of removing, deleting, or suppressing content protected by free speech. The Vatican over the weekend announced that that Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez will be the next prefect for the dipastery of the doctrine of the faith. And the U.S. bishops have applauded two wins for religious liberty at the Supreme Court in recent days. You can hear news at the top and bottom of each hour right here on the Sunrise Morning Show. Right now, it's 10 till. The Sunrise Morning Show continues with Father Thomas Berg. We're reflecting on his book, Choosing Forgiveness, Unleash the Power of God's Grace. Father, we've talked in previous conversations about how hard it can be to forgive someone who has injured us in any number of ways. Can you talk about how uniquely difficult it can be to forgive ourselves? Yeah, that's that's a a real tough one sometimes as we all as we all know and that's why in the book we we use the image of escaping quicksand i'll i'll get to that in a minute <laughs> but um the so there's some tri- tricky things going on with uh what's happening when we're struggling to forgive ourselves and i guess the first thing we have to distinguish is w- what self-forgiveness is not um it's not letting ourselves off the hook it's not saying that you know what happened or what we did or failed to do was okay um so it involves kind of accepting what happened into the narrative of our lives and who we are but we again we can't let that um determine or or kind of definitively finish the story where we're always god is always writing that story in our lives and so um what it is, and this is, we've explained this in the book, and I'll just try to put this into in, in a nutshell. Um, the unwillingness to forgive ourselves is, is kind of a, a way of punishing ourselves. And if we step back and think about it, uh, because in some degree or another, we're usually dealing with some degree of shame about something, and particularly the the, the things that we're finding difficult to forgive in our lives about ourselves. Um, usually shame is involved and shame is a very tricky um, emotion. Uh, we usually distinguish guilt from shame. Typically guilt can be, you know, a, a good emotion because, you know, it's, it's there for a reason. It tells us that we've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, shame most of the time sometimes can be appropriate too, but a lot of times shame becomes a very destructive thing. Guilt says you did something wrong. Shame says, or you did something bad. Shame says, I'm bad. I'm a bad person. Mm. And that's where it becomes very destructive. So, um, and what, uh, especially thanks to my, my co-author, Dr. Tim Locke, the psychologist, you know, he kind of points out that what's going on here is that there's th- this um, kind of self-punishment the unwillingness to forgive ourselves, um, it, self-punishment can become a way of sort of temporarily alleviating the the pain of of shame. Um, we use some kind of simple examples in the book, you know. But 
um, when you're dealing with the pain of, of shame, you know, like the kid, the kid in high school gives up on asking the girl out because, you know, I'm, I'm just not good enough for her. That's a kind of self-punishing shame. And it, it, it temporarily gives a false resolution to the pain of, you know, not being able to get the girl. And um, our kind of resistance to forgiving ourselves, it's a, it's sort of a way of kind of psychologically, we're trying to fix this situation. So the way I'm kind of, the way my psychology is telling me to fix this bad thing that happened is to just beat myself up. And like I say, we're, we can be secretly very good at that. So self-forgiveness, yeah. as we explain in the book, is, is renouncing that uh, need to punish myself. And, and that's where, like I said, it, it can get very tricky. Um, and it's, uh, we use the image of, of quicksand. It's um, on the one level, cognitively, I have to change that narrative. I'm not a bad person. Uh, and I have to start deliberately changing that and changing the way I think about myself and about what happened, but emotionally also to kind of rest in those emotions that arise from telling myself that I, I do forgive myself. And it's kind of like, you know, in a very tricky way, getting, you know, one leg loose from the quicksand and then the other leg loose, yeah. and kind of, you know, I crawling along it. in my belly. And, and it can take a long time. And I think people also have to just understand but with god's grace this is all possible and this is a this can be a deep 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 um, moment of, of healing yeah. um and but it can take a lot of time well with just about a minute left in our conversation here father do you have any practical tips tips on how to uh to begin the process of being able to forgive ourselves i think it's very helpful uh to have someone to talk to like a, a very good friend um Sometimes this does actually, we can benefit a lot from actually having like a Catholic uh, therapist to kind of, especially if this is something really deep um, to, to work through that, but certainly prayer and certainly to ask uh, the grace uh, to enter into that process of just of, of letting go and of letting God's healing begin. Really beautiful thoughts from Father Thomas Berg, and there's so much more contained in this book that you can go pick up from our Sunday visitor, Choosing Forgiveness, Unleash the Power of God's Grace, and you can find it linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Father Thomas Berg, really appreciate the conversation once again. Thank you so much. Always great being with you. It was great to have you, Father, and of course, you can find all of our guests that you hear on a daily basis linked in the show notes every day at sonrisemorningshow.com and uh, you just remember the day that you heard the interview you can go back and uh, find links and bio information for all of our guests on a daily basis and so that's also by the way where you can find our podcast after the fact with uh, little markers to just get you back to the interview that you would like to revisit or possibly share with family and friends. And uh, the markers just direct you right to that guest. So it's sonrisemorningshow.com and be sure to click on the subscribe button so you can get all that information in your inbox every day. Makes it that much easier. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, EWTN. May God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace. Peace.